Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck It Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. Hello. Welcome to the Fuck It Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Dooner. I am the host and creator of the Fuck It Diet and of this podcast. And this podcast's goal is to help you stop obsessing over food and body. I have spent the last couple of days watching um, The Real Housewives of Dallas from the beginning. And as usual, whenever I spend time listening to something, for a long time somehow in this creepy way my voice and my speaking patterns start to accidentally copy what I've been hearing and there's this girl on there named Brandy who talks like this and it's this really like tiny whispery voice and it's kind of weird but it's also kind of pleasing so anyway I was noticing that I was sort of just like bending in that direction It's very weird, like, I don't know when I, well, in acting you would call it a skill to be able to like change the energy of your voice, but in real life and when you host a podcast as yourself and you're like sort of have a little slightly different energy every time, it's just weird. But anyway, I'm trying to be aware of it, even though nobody notices, but I notice. (sighs) Okay guys, so back to the goal of this podcast. I, as usual, am sharing my new post, talking about it a little bit. I read it and then I sort of riff on it a tiny, tiny bit. And then I answer podcast insider questions from patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner, which is my name. Um, I have to use my name for some things because the fuck it diet uh, I just wor- I worry about it being blocked and like spam and stuff. So that's something I'm going to have to continue to figure out as I go forward. For instance, on uh, Instagram, the fuck it diet, uh, lots of, you know, colleagues will do sponsored posts and ads just to like reach a bigger audience. And there is just no way in hell that the fuck it diet's Instagram would ever be approved for that. So that's just one of the little things that I'm aware of. The fuck. Um, So let's just get right into it and I will um, update you. Oh, actually, let me say first. Let me say first. It is September. It is the beginning of September and 
later in September, I'm going to be launching, in quotes, the live version of Fucketeer Academy. The way that it works now is that all year round, I offer Fucketeer Academy as a self-study program. You can buy it, you can go through the video lessons and the worksheets, you can interact with the people in the private Facebook group, I pop on there sometimes, um, but for the most part it is self-study with a community and then once per year, which has not officially happened yet when I've had it um, revamped the way that it is right now, once a year <clears throat> I run it live, which means you will automatically, whether you have bought it a month before I run it live or two years before I've run it live, you're automatically included in the live emails. You're invited to participate in the live calls, the Q&A and laser coaching calls. That's like such a business buzzword. Um, you're gonna be laser coached <laughs> in a group setting. Um, and and just general live discussion of the three modules, the three main weeks of content. The first one being physical, everything to do with getting yourself out of the physical starvation mode. Second week being emotional and getting yourself out of the fight or flight adrenaline survival mode and getting in touch with the emotions and stress and energy that your body has been holding that we've been avoiding. And the final week is the mental week where we become very aware of the way that our mind is working and how that connects with our body and how that connects with our relationship with food and becoming aware of our beliefs and what to do about it. So that is going to be happening in October. October 7th is when we begin. And if you are not a member of Fucketeer Academy, you can join now and be included in the live version, or you can wait till I start sending out some sales emails to remind you that this is happening, and you can join in, and we will be going through it live. I'm very excited. I'm essentially trying to do this before pre-orders for the book are pushed. Now, my book is being released in major bookstores next year, March 26th. I know that feels really far away. It feels really far away for me, um, but it is happening and it's not gonna be pushed back any further. It's official, it's real. You can buy it on barnesandnoble.com. You can buy it on amazon.com. Um, you can buy it in hardcover and you can buy it in Kindle and it will also be available in audiobook. This is uh, a release in North America, however, my understanding is that if you live in a different country, you can still buy it. You just have to pay like the shipping fee or whatever, like international fee. Um, it is also going to be coming out soon after that. It's going to be coming out in Spain and Portugal, um, in Spanish and in Portuguese, in Brazil, in Portuguese, in uh, China, in Germany, I'm trying to remember everything, in, Germ in Germany uh, and in German, so like in all of the languages. I'm trying to remember all of the smaller, Spain, Portugal, Argentina, I'm mean, not Argentina, I'm sorry, Brazil, unless I'm forgetting something because it was the Portuguese language, um, Italy, and, and hopefully more, um, but I think you can, and then, so the UK is this weird thing. Apparently it's like a weird competitive thing. 
Um, they like sometimes try to wait if they don't know how it's going to do. They wait to see how it does in the U.S. before they do it, though you will be able to buy it. I'm sorry that you'll have to like deal with the international shipping fees and everything. But um, but hopefully not long after you'll be able to get it without that, like actually released in your language where they like change sweater to jumper and stuff. You know how they do that. Um you know what I mean? They add use to words that I don't add use to, like color and favor. I don't know if I ever use the, use the words color and favor in my book. Anyway, um, it's really exciting. So North America, March 26th, and you can order it now. However, <laughs> I'm technically not supposed to be um, pushing it and and kind of advertising it yet because they I haven't had my marketing and PR call with them and I don't think that they have officially updated the correct cover to every page I don't think that they have uploaded the correct summary like it's some stock summary that like was part of the proposal a year ago where it's like a funny edgy comprehensive book for chronic dieters and it's like not very exciting sounding um but I updated the summary and they're going to update it so it sounds more uh less bullshitty if you know what i mean um anyway that's all happening you can order it now it won't come to you till march 26th you can also wait till i remind you later closer to the time um i'm really excited it doesn't feel real people are like oh my god isn't this so exciting for you and it's like it's been happening for so long and such a slow process and um, there always feels like there's another milestone, like another thing to, like I'm getting the copy edited version back tomorrow and I have to go through it one more time in September to make sure everything is right before we go to design and layout. It's super, super exciting, but it also doesn't feel real. So anyway, you can look it up. You can look it up by name, Caroline Junior. You can look up the fuck it diet with a, an asterisk. I don't know what'll happen if you look it up with the U. But you can also just wait till I push it for real and say pre-order this. I shared it on my personal Facebook page and I wish that I hadn't because I just wish that I waited until it was like all updated. Anyway, it's all very exciting. Thank you for uh, sticking with me and thank you for pre-ordering it. If you do, uh, pre-orders make a huge difference for visibility and for rankings and for those lists like the bestseller lists and for the potential to write follow-up books and to do tours and I don't know what's going to happen but um, of course I would love for it to do well and for it to reach a really wide audience. I've sort of written it with that in mind. Obviously I just hope that it speaks to people who don't even know that they need the fuck a diet who just think it's a funny title. So uh, yeah, so you can look it up, but I'm not going to be pushing it until later on in the fall and in the new year. So there's that, and then there's the live version of Fucketeer Academy, and with that, I'm going to move on to the actual post today, which is called Weight Control as a, quote, core value, unquote. So this is something that I hear from... A, a good amount of people, enough people that I made this a frequently asked question in the book before they told me to dissolve it and save it for something else. And so I'm saving it for now for this free blog post. Maintaining a low weight is one of my core values. How am I supposed to be happy if I sacrifice one of my core values? I've heard something like that 
again and again from people writing into me asking how they can reconcile their life at a you know doing the fuck it diet and becoming a potentially a higher weight than they want to be than is in line with their values and core values and people will also say something like fitness is like a part of who I am it's a part of my core values blah 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 and I think maintaining a low weight is one of your core values like treating others the way you'd want to be treated and being honest Maintaining a low weight is not a core value. It is a fear-based, ingrained, societal standard created to make money off of your insecurities. Keeping your weight below where it wants to be relies on fear and fixation. So keeping your weight below your healthy, easy, natural weight set point relies on fear and fixation. The only thing we like about this is the high of fitting in, of getting praise, of feeling safe, and the temporary relief that comes when we reach a goal weight. Now, I'm not trying to diminish how enticing those things are and how much society does pressure us and make us believe that that's incredibly important and that if we can do that, we will be happy. And we feel, phew, now everyone will leave me alone and approve of me. And now I'll leave myself alone. But that's until it isn't good enough anymore. Or we gain it back and feel horrible about ourselves. And the cycle continues. There are better focuses like health. You know, the health that we can control, which isn't, you know, actually that much. But health and supporting ourselves and our health in whatever way is sane and truly nourishing and supportive. Self-care movement, you know, gentle movement, eating what feels good and dressing yourself in clothes that you like. Oh, shit. Wait, let me say this correctly. Better focuses like health, self-care, movement, eating what feels good and dressing yourself in clothes that you like. They aren't even core values. That's what I was trying to say. They are, however, awesome ways to take care of yourself. Feeling healthy and strong and embodied, if you can, is a perfectly legitimate desire or goal, but living in a constant food and weight obsession is not. It never will be. Quote, staying healthy and thin or fit as a core value also relies on the belief that health and weight are fully within your control and that controlling your food and weight will actually lead to better health all things that have been proven untrue. And a lot of this science is linked at thefuckadiet.com slash science if you want to read up on things that you have not read before. Goals and core values that are more self-loving and self-forgiving will almost certainly end up being better for your overall health anyway. A core value that'll serve you better is, quote, prioritizing your needs or taking care of yourself. And if you have a weight obsession or an eating disorder or a pseudo eating disorder, prioritizing your needs is going to look a lot like the fuck a diet and eating what you want and letting your weight heal and do what it needs to do. Of course, you have every right to remain someone who judges your daily worth based on your weight, but it's not going to be very fun for very long. And then I'm going to have to say this all over again, which I will inevitably. And that's the post. I've had enough people. And, and, 
you know, maybe you wouldn't have phrased it this way. Maybe you wouldn't have said that it's one of your core values, but there are enough people who feel like, no, this is who I am. Being, you know, being a gym rat is like part of my identity. It's one of the things that I um, have sort of wrapped my life around. And we convince ourselves that it's healthy and responsible and important. And so letting go of that is really, really hard. And there are so many smaller beliefs wrapped up in that that we need to kind of become aware of and reframe and address. So hopefully that was illuminating in some way or made you look at something in a new light or made you re-remember something. And now we move on to Patreon, to the insider questions. Um, If you want to ask questions for the podcast, you can at patreon.com slash caroline duner for as little as one dollar a month for now it might change guys i just don't know what the future holds but for now it's a dollar a month to ask oh damn it incorrect email or password can i log in with facebook no i can't caroline hold on this always happens caroline at caroline duner i never know do you hear how i'm like speaking in a higher voice it's so creepy Okay, I locked in. So, if you go over to the community tab, that's where you can both ask questions and you can read other people's questions and kind of respond and interact with each other. There isn't as much interaction on this as I would like, but uh, anyway. Okay, so. The first question is from uh, Ali. Releasing judgment. Hi everyone, I've been on my journey of healing my relationship with food and my body for almost two years now. I was previously a chronic dieter and compulsive exerciser, never never satisfied with the size of my body and always striving for the thin ideal, much of which was from a disordered belief that it was what I needed to do in order to be, quote, well. I'm in a place now where I feel mostly good about my relationship with allowing foods and releasing shame around what I'm eating. The struggle I'm facing right now is finding peace around the physical changes in my body, getting used to a body that is now larger since I have not been restricting. I've been working with a therapist as well as doing a lot of work on my own with trying to let go of body judgment. However, I immediately begin to judge the changes in my body as bad. For instance, I can feel my belly jiggle while walking around or moving and walking or moving around. And I consider that to be a bad change or uncomfortable. Do others here have experience in these feelings or ideas on how to make peace with my body and body image during this phase of my journey? Thanks so much. I'm happy to have a little bit of community to turn to. So Janelle replied and said, yes, I definitely experienced this. I gained weight during recovery from a restrictive eating disorder. And then I gained another wave of weight about two years later when I started the bucket diet to try and let go of some eating weirdness I still had. Both times I really struggled with judgment, uh, with judging the changes in my body. I felt and looked very different. Um, sorry, it felt and looked very different to be in my body. There are three things that I think were really helpful for me. Time 
learning how to feel what it's like to be in my body. And even though it might sound weird, reading more political, sociological commentary about weight. No, that is not weird. That is huge and amazing and a big perspective shift. That was me adding that. Um, Time is pretty simple. It's a pretty simple one. But honestly, the longer I spend at a given weight, the more positively I feel about my body at that weight. My weight has been relatively stable within 5 to 10 pounds for the past 1 to 1.5 years. And a lot of feelings of foreignness have gone away. The second one was more helpful to me, but basically I started doing a variety of activities to help me reconnect to my body and feeling and the feelings inside it again. I used meditation, yoga, weightlifting, and journaling. I feel a much deeper connection to and respect for my body now that I can actually hear it. I'm going to address both of these before I move on to the last one. Um, yes, uh, sometimes just feeling a slight change in how your body feels in space, like actually it being new for your for you to be feeling your body differently in clothes or something can be stressful until you get used to it and realize that there is nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just a different way of like feeling your like body in shorts or whatever. So that's the time thing. And then her second bit of advice about inhabiting her body is one of the big pieces of the fuck a diet. It's about, um, it's the energy work that I do and it so you can you can get that through patreon you can get that through fracateer academy and you can also get it on your own through yoga meditation different kinds of body work and embodiment work um so that's a really 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 good advice and then let me move on to to her last one maybe you can find ways that help you connect internally to your body and how you feel i don't think exercise is the only way to do this for me it was helpful um but I also did a non-exercise things like meditation. Okay, the final thing, I started reading about where societal views of weight come from and how they affect women at a large scale. I got kind of pissed off at the power this beauty standard has over women and how it affects so many aspects of our lives. Realizing how harmful the thin ideal is helped me deal with not fitting into it. If you're interested in this kind of reading, I recommend Beauty Sick by Renee Engel. I don't know how to pronounce that, but... Hopefully that's close enough. And I think there's also a lot of recommendations for this kind of reading on the Fuck a Diet website. Anyway, sorry this got so long, but I hope some of these three things can be helpful for you too. Um, that's awesome. And yes, that's the whole idea of like using anger to serve this journey is to realize how fucked over we are. Um, so instead of, instead of like pointing the anger at ourselves or pointing the anger at a specific person, like really pointing the the anger towards the whole fucking thing um and with this book i am going to be making an epic resource list that's like one of my next things on my to-do list that's going to be digital so hopefully i'll have an even better resource for reading about all of this extra stuff because i don't have everything in one place Ali said, thank you so much for this. I have been doing much of what you did, especially with reading and meditation. I'm learning gentle movement to relate to my body and practicing some yin at home to connect. That is amazing. Thank you for the suggestion of Beauty Sick. I just watched her TED Talk. I'll check the book out too. It really helps to hear somebody else's story who can relate to my feelings. I'm trying to connect with others, but it often feels light years apart. I appreciate your response. The other thing I would add to this is that the connection between your beliefs and getting into your body is actually pretty significant, which is 
why doing energy work on limiting beliefs and really doing embodiment work to feel the stress attached to limiting beliefs can be so powerful. And that's a lot of what I do in Pucketeer Academy. Um, but you can do a lot of this work with journaling and with any sort of embodiment work like yoga. And then Samantha replied and said, I totally understand. I'm in my recovery phase. Oh, in my recovery phase, I have become accustomed to a small belly, something I never had to worry about before. I'm confused. Oh, I always had bigger hips and thighs, but my stomach was something I prided myself. I get it. I'm being I'm making as flat as possible. It was hard to get over this hurdle, but I try to catch myself having the negative thought and reframing it. Yeah, it's so much about awareness too because you can spiral so quickly into assumptions based on your beliefs of what you should be or what should be happening. So yeah, awareness, feeling what it feels like and um, becoming aware of your beliefs and all the other things that were recommended. You guys did an amazing job. You don't even need me, but hopefully it's helpful to the people who... um, wanted to ask the same question too. Okay, next question from Bridget. Caroline, I know you've discussed this topic in previous podcasts, but I'm interested in digging deeper on the relationship between alcohol and the fuck a diet. I've noticed in all of my friends that are quote unquote dieters that they tend to be the binge drinkers. Do you think this is because they deny themselves? Do you think allowing alcohol would equal a healthy relationship with alcohol? I know this is a controversial topic, but I find it very interesting. I feel like no one ever talks about the relationship of dieting and drinking. This is a major topic that needs to be discussed because I feel it can be super harmful. Have you always had a healthy relationship to alcohol or did you see it as a bad category item? The same way you say sugar is so-called bad. Just curious. Hopefully this long comment makes sense. It's a great question. And of course, I have to give the disclaimer that everyone's going to be a little bit different around this. And just because I have a sort of more neutral stance on alcohol doesn't mean that I think that you or anyone listening who has had addiction problems in the past should definitely start allowing alcohol again. Everybody's different and you need to genuinely weigh this against what your experience has been and what feels true for you. But I will give my take on it. So... I, first of all, there is a kind of eating disorder called drunkorexia, or I think that's what what it's called, where people use alcohol as a way to um, not eat. So first of all, yes, there can be a huge connection there, and it can be used as a, another distraction. So People who have eating issues often have a lot of things that they're unable to deal with. They don't want to feel. They don't want to embody their body. They don't want to process their trauma. Again, all understandable. Um, These things are hard, which is why we get into this pattern and nobody teaches us any better. But um, alcohol can just be one more way to both not feel and not eat. So yes, I think there's a huge connection between drinking and or binge drinking and or using alcohol a lot and dieting and eating disorders that's my that's the most basic take on it um and then she asks do you think allowing all alcohol would equal a healthy healthy relationship with alcohol and the answer is not necessarily i think that alcohol is easier to use um as a way to numb even than food. 
So I think that it's really easy to um, escape your feelings and escape your body and escape your life with alcohol. And I think that without the awareness around that and without doing the emotional and mental work that comes along with the fuck it diet, um, you can allow all alcohol and, and, and use alcohol. There's also the possibility that restricting alcohol can also lead to a, you know, a messed up relationship with alcohol um, in this sort of binge in the sort of like forbidden mentality and like needing to get it all in. But the hack here is starting to be willing to feel because if you're willing to feel the hard stuff, you will be less likely to use alcohol to avoid it because you've begun to feel it. Now, I definitely think that people need lots of support in this area um, and need a good therapist and need to be really honest with themselves. Um, but that is my take on it. I, uh, I have not always had a healthy relationship with alcohol, though I've never felt super out of control with alcohol. I definitely, during different times, I would, I had, I had a double thing. I was always trying to like drink the least fattening, quote unquote, that's like total diet talk, least fattening or like least caloric or least carby alcohol. And I also noticed that alcohol could or would sort of distract me from eating. Um, I, it's also relative because I was always like the least alcoholic of all of my friends. Like I always drank the least, but I think that was because my body legitimately can't handle it. And I have like genetic liver stuff. I don't know if people know what the MTHFR gene mutation is, but I have it. And it's why I can't really handle alcohol now. And my liver needs a lot of extra support. And really that was the thing that was going on, um, probably pretty much at the root cause of lots of my health stuff. But of course, I believed that it was my eating and that I needed to diet and become skinny in order to be healthy. And that literally was not helpful or the issue at all. So um, alcohol, I have an interesting relationship with alcohol because when I started the fuck it diet, I was not... um, I was not restricting alcohol at all. And I would drink a lot of wine with friends. I was doing a lot of improv at the time. I was in comedy clubs and bar basements really late and I would drink beer and wine. And it was a part of me um, becoming normal with food. I was not, I, you know, I drank as much as lots of 20 year olds who live in New York do. Um, And I definitely had a little bit of a, like I would notice at times if I thought that I, wasn't going to be able to have a glass of wine I would like be anxious which is interesting and I was like that's not good um but I normally could stop like you know after two drinks or something but I so you know it's all relative like what is that is that a slight dependence on alcohol to have fun and like you know enjoy your life maybe was it nearly as bad as other people I was around no so I was like I'm fine and because my body felt like I always felt bad from alcohol so that was a natural way to stop me from having too much 
Of course, I would be more used to it at different times, but I started a couple years ago, I started having legit liver pain from like having a half a drink. So I really don't drink very much right now. And it's all about resilience and wanting to support my body and wanting to support my liver. I don't know if it'll change. I don't know if there are things that I can do to support my like detox pathways with like different supplements I might be like different minerals and stuff that I might be low on or if this will just if I'll sort of just be a not very big drinker for the rest of my life but what I have to say on this is that all of the work that I did um, on emotions and beliefs and becoming more embodied and willing to feel and live life in my body and feed myself and nourish myself and eat whatever I wanted and have a good relationship with food. Doing that physical work to refeed myself and really listen to my body and doing the emotional and mental work to really start feeling whatever I was anxious and wanting to avoid naturally cured my relationship to alcohol so much so that I really, really don't care if I don't have it. And I'm so in tune with my body that I will stop like three quarters of the way through a drink because I can feel that I don't feel good from it. And there are times when I'm like, whoa, I had two drinks and I feel fine. That's rare, but it does happen. And there are days when I'm like, I really think that I would be fine with a glass of wine. So I, you know, it does feel irresponsible to, to say um, the fuck a diet will inherently cure your relationship with alcohol because there's a lot more, um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of steps that I think go in that go into it, and there's there are a lot of factors as to why people have issues with alcohol. Um, I have a very alcoholic family, <laughs> and I don't know if that's why my like liver is. I feel like I have like Irish inbreeding, and I now like can't drink at all and like have <laughs> liver problems. But uh, yeah, that my experience really was that allowing alcohol, but doing a lot of work on the emotional part of the equation and getting so in tune with my body healed my relationship to alcohol. Now, would I like to be able to drink two glasses of wine and not feel like death? Yes. But since that's not the case right now, I don't really drink very much. So that's my relationship with alcohol. Um, I hope that that is helpful and illuminating and of course, please remember that everyone's relationship with alcohol will be different and that you really need to take care of yourself and that alcohol is not the same as food. Food is a necessity. Food, um, oh, I think that eating more food also helped me not care about drinking as much because it was like I didn't feel, like I felt like grounded and nourished and it also helps to eat more food and drink because then you don't like you can drink without feeling so without like having bad effects do you know what I mean like it's really important to eat while you're drinking (laughs) okay let me make sure that I finish this have you always had okay or do you see it as a bad category item uh I oh did I see it oh I, I already answered that question so even to this day I even as somebody who can barely drink without feeling horrible, I still don't think that alcohol is bad. I think that it can be really hard for some people to process it, and for other people, they're totally fine. It's like not an issue. 
So I think it has a lot to do with your own constitution and then your own ability to actually be in your body and deal with the stuff that you need to deal with emotionally. I hope that that was helpful. Let me read the comments here. Okay, I'm actually going to move on to the next question. So Samantha says, Caroline, oh, confused and slightly afraid. Caroline, I've been doing the fuck a diet for about seven months and I really felt like I've gotten to a strong place. Well, I just worried that it, I just was worried that it wasn't recording, but it is. Okay. I've gotten to, I feel like I've gotten to a strong place. I haven't been restricting or binging. I'm not placing a morality on food and I'm even learning to like or accept my body more. Enter vacation. I recently went on a family vacation to Italy and it was spectacular. The food was obviously also incredible. However, I noticed a few things while away. One, it was very hard to honor my hunger signals accurately because I was with the group. For example, maybe we were sitting down to lunch when I wasn't hungry, but I knew we wouldn't be eating for hours, so I ate. My, I'm going to chime in and say that's totally normal and smart of you because that's normal eating. It's not always ideal when you're with a group. Two, I found myself overeating a lot, and I'm always going to put overeating in quotes, me personally. Um, overeating a lot to the point of feeling stuffed and, comfor- and uncomfortable. It felt very reminiscent of my binging days when I'd eat until overly full because I knew that this is the quote-unquote only opportunity to eat this kind of food. Okay, so those two things I think are together. I think that it was triggering memories of not having control over when and how you eat. And so there was kind of like a um, psychosomatic response, that sort of mental restriction that does actually jog your body to... um, your body and your brain to sort of always be thinking about food and to binge. So there is some journaling and some limiting beliefs that you can, that you can do around this. And I think this is a thing that will heal itself with time because you're still kind of in the beginning. So it makes sense that this is kind of triggering feelings of not having the control to eat what you want and what you need. And therefore it's triggering binging. Okay. And the third thing you said is mirrors were everywhere and I was constantly seeing myself in photos and while I tried to tell my inner bitch to shut up, it was still a challenge. Don't get me wrong, I had an amazing time. I was also I also wasn't as involved with body positivity, social media, or podcasts because I wasn't on the internet as much. It was crazy. I felt all these diet culture feelings suddenly come creeping back in and it scared me. I thought I'd made so much progress and it felt kind of like a setback. What are your thoughts on this and how can I move forward? Thanks again for your awesomeness. Oh, thank you, Samantha. I just want to tell you that this is so normal and you're still in your first year of this and the fact that this has all come up, it's not you regressing, it's you becoming aware of things that are still there and it's totally fine, it's totally normal. I experienced this during my first year, legitimately, on vacation with people, on vacation with um, friends. I would like see myself overthinking things and have to become really aware of it and kind of like recommit and figure out you know it it's new enough that you are still navigating your relationship with food and body in new in new um, situations and experiences so this is totally normal this is not a sign that this is not working this is a sign that you're moving through it and there's more to there's more to do and there's more to become aware of and there's more to surrender to. So I think that one and two, the um, inability to control 
the food that you eat and when and then sort of like the binge response is just totally normal don't be worried about that it's all about this um mental restriction of like oh no this is my last chance and I think time will help with this um I think that doing the work on becoming aware of the beliefs that are happening a lot of embodiment work and energy work that I like to recommend to people will definitely help with this when I experienced something like this in a, at a similar place, that's when I started doing energy work and that's when I made a huge leap forward. Like the actual feeling of the old stuff that stuck. Um, that's, that's basically what I want to say just to let you know that nothing is wrong with you, that you are not failing at this and that you will absolutely keep moving forward and you will be able to be in situations like that and not feel the way you felt. You will continue to move forward. You will be able to go on vacation and um, and feel more ease. And it's just a matter of time and, and doing this longer and becoming aware of, of kind of the mental stuff that's going on. Um, and Allie actually responded and said, when it happens to me, I try to remind myself very compassionately that this journey is not linear. Sometimes we spiral back around and feel like we've fallen backwards when we're kind of navigating up a spiral staircase instead. Yes, very good. Um, but it can look and feel very much like stepping um, in the opposite direction. That's so good. And then Samantha also said that now that I'm home, I'm feeling much more like my normal self. Um, and the type of personality in me freaks out when something isn't linear. But recovery is totally not linear. Okay, that was great. I hope that my response was helpful too. And... Oh, and Bridget posted a book called Rest, which I have not read, but I'm going to put it on my wish list. Why you get more done when you work less. Ooh, ooh, I want to buy this. Add to cart. Um, I'm definitely going to. I mean, I could probably write it, but I also like to read other people's takes on rest. It makes me happy. So Lily wrote, okay. So I've been on the fuck diet for four to five-ish months, and I've been on quite the journey. It's been a shit onion. <laughs> you know, in a good way. I think I'm nearing the end of the refeeding stage because when I eat the quote-unquote fun foods now, for instance, the foods I avoided... It feels kind of gross. And when I eat the volume I've been eating the past few months, it feels kind of gross. As in sick, not bad about myself. I feel like I'm eating things in volumes just because I can. It's a bit like Bruce Bogtrotter and the chocolate cake. Ooh, I don't know that reference. Or do I? Could you or anyone talk about what the next stage is? Any tips? So if anybody uh, is on the Patreon page... Anyone to respond to Lily? She just wrote this a couple days ago. Um, I'm sure she would love other people's responses, but you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Allowing yourself to eat and allowing it to feel kind of gross and still not judging yourself or stopping yourself is the place where you want to be because it will, if you started restricting now because you're, if you started being like, oh, I shouldn't eat that, that might trip you back a little bit, but letting yourself continue to do this and then seeing how you naturally will begin to stop because it's just not fun anymore, that is the most authentic way to the truest intuitive eating in my experience. So 
I wish I understood the Bruce Bogtrotter reference. I'm going to look it up. Bruce Bogtrotter. Is this like a children? It sounds like a children's book. Oh, Matilda. Okay. Do they make him eat the cake? Yeah, that's awful. Oof. Can't even look at that. Um, ooh, bad. Really bad. Uh, so... I definitely recommend um, letting yourself feel your stress. So there can be stress about the eating itself while you're eating. So in intuitive eating, they recommend eating slowly, but I think that that is kind of restrictive feeling. What I recommend is just taking some deep breaths while you're eating to make sure that you're feeling and eating because that's, and you don't need, you can actually feel after you eat or after you eat a lot. It's not about stopping yourself from eating. It's about making sure that you're actually processing what is going on emotionally, um, both in regards to your eating, like the feelings that you have about eating and the fears that you have about eating, and also any other anxiety that you have that might be like tied up in eating. Even though I genuinely believe that emotional eating is like not a big deal and it's a very benign way to soothe and if you as long as you are a person who is willing to feel which is hard and most people aren't but you can begin to by getting into your body and feeling what it feels like um, emotional eating will not be an issue so I genuinely think that you're in a place where you're just sort of like on the the tipping point and soon you will just not really be stuffing yourself because it's just not that fun anymore but anyone else who's experienced this um, please respond to Lily because I'm sure it'll be helpful for her. Do you guys hear that dog going crazy? My dog is with my friend right now. She's coming home soon and I can't leave. Um, God. But, uh, yes, I hope that my response is helpful. I hope that other people can also respond and make you feel better about where you are because there are shifts. Just think about the fact that your relationship to eating has already shifted because it's starting to feel gross and now there's just sort of like the the physical learning curve of your body realizing that it's always going to have this much food and it doesn't even need to eat stuff that makes it feel gross or doesn't need to eat the amounts that make it feel gross and it'll happen on its own and you don't need to force it and I actually look forward to hearing um you update us on what does happen or how you feel in a month or two Oh God, I wonder if that dog, if you can hear that dog. Okay guys, that's it. That's literally it. And I really hope that this has been helpful and I will um, be back with another episode next month. And, but by that time, Fucketeer Academy will already be happening or just finishing enrolling. So if you want to get in on the live session, sign up now and you'll be included. Um, you'll also get to go through, it's still on the autoresponder where when you buy it, you get all the lessons immediately. So you can buy it now, go through and then wait a month and we'll all go through together. And that could actually be really helpful too, to have like, time to let it sink in before we go through it and I answer questions and laser coach you on group calls. All right, guys. Um, 
I was going to say stay stay sexy and don't get murdered because I'm obsessed. I've literally listened to the entire library of my favorite murder in the past four months. And I'm on the last episode as we speak. I'm in the middle of it. Um, Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it has nothing to do with the fuck a diet and it's really like upsetting. And I've never been into true crime before, but I am just for this podcast, their podcast. And the way they sign off is by saying, stay sexy and don't get murdered. But I can't steal that because maybe they would sue me. So fuck it. (laughs) What's the fuck a diet sign off? Fuck it. Fuck it. I guess it's just fuck it. Okay. Fuck it and definitely don't get murdered. Fuck it and don't diet. Bye.